Abed and all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya, folks. Old Man Grognard here. Happy Friday, and I hope you're all doing well. First up, we got a voicemail from Rich Frazier at Cockatrice Nuggets, talking about a website that even I'd forgotten until he mentioned it. Because you can say, I mentioned something in the previous episode, which is okay. So uh, let's take a listen to it. Go ahead, Rich. Hey, Glenn, it's Rich. You were asking about categorized adventures, like somebody going through and saying, um, you know, categorizing and breaking them up and saying, if you want this, it's here. Um, I think someone's already done that. Check out Adventure Lookup. It was an idea by Matt Coville that he presented to the community. And he said, I don't want anything to do with this, but I would really like it if... And it blew up, and it is amazing how much stuff I have looked through there and found. In fact, I'm going to go there right now because I had forgotten about it until you said something about it. Or not about it, but about what you're looking for. So check out our Adventure Lookup and see if it's uh, worth anything to you. All right, take care. Thank you very much, Rich. Thank you for that email. Actually, I was thinking of more like dungeon types that you could list. And you had like a master list of, okay, this is this dungeon type. What is it? What does it entail? What is it? You know, these are the rooms you need for this. Here's the base dungeon type. And then you can go off and and variants and then make different ones like that. I believe that's what, what you were talking about. But that being said, I forgot all about Adventure Lookup. I didn't know Matt Colville. Once again, Matt Colville had anything to do with the inspiration for this, but I'm grateful for it because then I went over and looked at it and I'm going, wow, I forgot about this. This is a really great resource. It's Dungeon Lookup. Google it. Okay, today I wanted to talk about the power of playtesting. And what I mean by the power of playtesting personally is the fact that it tends to kind of kick me in the butt to get stuff done. Let me explain. Okay, so playtesting to me, I mean, this is great if you're going to publish stuff. And, and you know, you don't want to playtest with a group you're going to run. But at the same time, if you're doing like a convention game, and I'm, I've kind of advantage, a little advantage in that because none of my players, with rare exceptions, goes to North Texas RPG Con, which is my one convention. So I can do this with impunity. But playtesting really helps get out the kinks. Now, when you play test, play test, when you play test, like I said, it gets out, you see where the rough edges are and things like that. When I write something, I want to be able to see if it, you know, I'm gonna, if, it, if it's going to be at a convention, I want to give it a trial run. You've got to you got to give it a trial run, just sort of like a breakdown cruise, just to see what happens. And it's been invaluable, even if it's with you, if it's with your own group. Now, I'll give you a couple of caveats to that. You got to remember when you're play testing, but it's it's very easy for me to say to my group, say a few months before the convention, "Hey guys, I got my convention, my convention game all ready to go." Can we run it in the next two sessions or so? That I can, I want to run this, and I'll have usually I have pre-gens. Sometimes I have them make the characters, and I will use them as pre-gens. 
Well, sometimes I will just come up with free gens. Like this last Mutant Future game. I came by, I found a website where I can make characters for Mutant Future automatically. So I just ran off about 12 of those and just handed them out. I looked them over first because Mutant Future is the kind of game where you've got to like, you know, okay, are there any game-breaking powers and mutations in here type of thing? But I've gone over that before. But anyway, I handed them out and we play for like, the next two sessions and I see how it went. I say the next couple of sessions because I try to get the session, I try to approximate the time time slot I'm gonna have at the convention, which is usually about five to six hours. If I run short, I don't worry about it at a convention, but I wanna know if I'm going to run short. That's one of the things I'm trying to find out. How long does this thing take to play out? Depend, and of course, it depends on the characters and such. And that's another thing I want to get into. When you're playtesting, when you're playtesting with your regular group, you've got to make certain allowances because at a convention, you don't know who's going to show up at the table. And if you've been playing with your group or GMing with your group for a, for a while, you pretty much know the ins and outs of what they do and what they didn't. Well, you know, you can take that to a convention. You can throw that out the window. So when you're, when you're play, to me, when you're play testing, you are looking at things like how long does it run? Does this encounter work? Is this too much for the players? Is this too little for the players? Uh, the Mutant Future game, I found out, was it the Mutant Future game or the one before, I think it was the, the year before. Yeah, the year before, I, was, I play tested the Gangbusters game I ran there and I found out I had to add a scene because it was just running too short because the players to me when I run a game I always the one of the reasons I over prep a little I don't do it a lot otherwise I'm gonna you know just drive myself crazy I can't sit down and prep the whole damn thing in one night or whatever oh I could but I mean you know if I, but to me that's a lot of work I don't need to do right away but I tend to overprep a little. If I have like, we have a three hour slot every week on, our, on my Monday game. And if my game runs a little short on my Monday game, it doesn't matter because we play every week. And at the convention, it kind of doesn't matter because there's always the next game to go to. But I would like to fill out as much of that as possible. So that's why I do this. I want to know the timing of the game. I want to know if the characters can run through this encounter real fast depending on who's playing and those are the kind of factors you're looking for is it an effective encounter is it an effective story it usually is a pretty good storyline i just you just get you just gotta you know i i'm good at rolling with the punches i think that is a valuable lesson that's a valuable thing a game master should have two things they should be able to ad lib and they should be able to roll with the punches which kind of prompts you to ad lib after a while once again if you know the scenario you know the the npcs you know the storyline boom go ahead and you know let them let them go off wherever they want because you can always keep up like somebody told me the other night, I love random encounters because it throws my story 
maybe in a direction I wasn't expecting, and gives the players something to hang their hat on. It gives something the players something to remember. I had a, I to, I was talking in chat last night in Tavern Chat about the Astonishing Swordsman campaign I ran. I rolled a, I rolled a barbarian, for a random encounter, and instead of having to fight him. He walked through. He was walking through the area they were walking through, looking for his girl, looking for his companion, his his mate. Because she was lost, he doesn't know. He's. Have you seen her? No, we haven't seen her. Well, that became kind of a running, a little bit of a running gag because later on they were on a ship going to the Isle of the Ape Man, and I rolled barbarian again, and I I put him in a canoe. And he run, they run into him. Are you, are you sure? You have you seen her around here? Have you? And, and no, it says we're here. Check. Try and check that the town we just left. Okay, and he just paddles off. And so at the end of the at the end of that adventure, he turns up with his girl. And it's like, look, I, I you know they're passing through, and I said, hi guys, you know, look, I found her. And it was just a little thing, but you know, it was a nice little running gag we had going on there. Uh, so that's why I like random encounters. But like I said, in a play test, you really want to get down to, you know, I will take it home and then rework it a little if I have to. I will add a scene. Sometimes I've added scenes on the fly in play tests before just to see what happens. And they worked out so well, I added them to the, the adventure. And I always like to have one or two encounters that are optional for me. This is this is how you find out if you can do like optional encounters. Say it is running short, so I added a scene. That could be an optional scene. It kind of it it was one of those things where it kind of affects the storyline, but it doesn't have to. For instance, in the Gangbusters game, I was running a little short. I know the bad guys. It was the it was a Ring of Fire. It was my boxing melodrama, and the you know the guy was the 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 boxer was supposed to supposed to throw a fight for a rival gang and he didn't so they kidnapped his girl. Okay, fine. They kidnapped his girl and I was just gonna leave it at that, but then they were rushing into the the climax like an hour and a half into the game. And well not really an hour and a half, but I mean it was running real short. So it's like, okay, what do I do with this? So I called a break and I thought, okay, she's kidnapped. Where is she kidnapped? Where are they where are they where are they hiding here? Where are they hiding her? And because that would have led to the climax and I said they're hiding her in the I went I went I pulled out this this one page dungeon I had called Raid on Chinatown which some guy wrote for the one-page dungeon contest. And it was for things like Gangbusters, Call of Cthulhu, things like that. So I said, okay, they're hiding her in Chinatown because they've got to deal with the Tong there or the Tong or the Triad or whoever was running Chinatown. And so they're hiding her in the back of an of a, an opium den, which the front of the shop is a tobacco shop. And so we had a great, great scene with the PCs breaking into the opium den, the cops breaking into the opium den, because one of them was a police detective, and running afoul of 
you know, the, the Chinese guys, the gangsters, and this live tiger in a cage. And they say, well, what's the tiger doing there? And I'm thinking, well, because it's Chinatown. You don't know. You know, they, they, I, I came up with some BS excuse in my mind if they ask. It's uh, something about some ceremony they need a live tiger or the guy, the, the, the head of the triad keeps a live tiger or something like that. Or he's a tiger in a cage sitting there with everybody smoking dope. And so the tiger, of course, the tiger got out and <laughs> basically all hell broke loose. And it was not the climax of the game, but it was like another, the sub-climax of the game, and everybody had fun. And it extended my story out enough where I could, I could, I could okay, I can deal with this. So I went back home, and I kind of wrote it up proper, and I ran it at the convention, and it was great. Anyway, so if you can playtest something in those circumstances, playtest it with your group. Try and play test it. And also, it gives me a kick in the butt because I'm the kind of guy who will spend, like, if I'm running a game every week, I will start prepping on, like, Sunday. Let's say we're running on Mondays. I will start prepping on Sunday night just because I'm lazy. So I know if I don't do it soon, the the convention is going to fail a bit. So it's basically me kicking me in the butt to get it done so I can get it up and play tested. So then I can like, you know, relax. I could rework it and then, okay, it's all set and ready to go. I'm just that kind of lazy dungeon master. What can I say? Anyway, that's my advice for today. And I'm going to go start my day. So if you guys want to talk about anything or anything at all, uh, this or anything else, you can email me at oldmangrognard at gmail.com or you can drop me a voicemail on Anchor. We are, of course, monetized, so as little as 99 cents a month. You, too, can support this program. And thank you for my supporters, Jonathan Dorgia, Wendell Jessen, Oliver Shriek, Gilbert Suarez, Mark C. Walring, and Juan Carlos Llewellyn. Don't forget Mark C. Walring's podcast, The Yawning Owlbear. And do not forget that we still, the as of this recording, the Kickstarter for... Survive This Vigilante City 2, the next two books in the series, are going on right now. It's a great superhero game. Check it out. Support it. They could use your help. So could Dungeons & Delvers Redbox. They've got a few days going on their Kickstarter, so check that out, too, at kickstarter.com. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Mm-hmm.